Hello, and welcome to our wrap-up. We've been doing Texas Chainsaw Month for two months now, <laughs> in the summer, and in now, in October. We took a little break, and so this is actually going to come out on Halloween, not on... And then we still have to release our review of Leatherface, which will come out next week. But spoilers, it's bad. To... <laughs> spoilers, I didn't like. Um, <laughs> but we wanted to wrap it up, and we wanted to do like a kind of big special for it. So we brought on someone who I also know loves. I like tried to find someone that I knew would have watched all of the Texas Chainsaw movies. And so I knew the perfect person, which was Derek Sags is back. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me back. I have never been more excited to talk about anything ever. <laughs> did yeah, you did you like rewatch all those the, these movies in the last week for this, or so how did you, did you space? No, it out? I only rewatched the ones that I wasn't as familiar with. Right. So I rewatched um, Texas Chainsaw the beginning, and I rewatched uh, Leatherface: The Texas Chainsaw Massacre three. Okay, yeah, there's two Leatherfaces, right? Yeah, no, no. I own the other six, so I've seen them multiple times. And <laughs> these two were just the ones um, that I, I actually had never seen the beginning before, and it had been a long time since I saw Texas Chainsaw 3. Right, right. You see, yeah, exactly. And that's why Derek was perfect. You remember Derek from the Greener Grass episode, which just came out, and it was funny because since we... The way we scheduled these out, I was like, oh, man, I hope that Greener Grass comes out before we do the Texas wrap-up, because that'll be weird to be like, welcome back. You haven't heard them yet. And it was the one right before we went on to Texas Chainsaw Month, so we got super lucky. But yeah, so we're going to kind of do a whole wrap-up of the series, kind of talk about stuff. Maybe our views changed after watching them. Maybe they didn't. What we're going to do is we have, we're, we all ranked them. And I'll say my rank, and then Josh will say his, and then Derek will say his, and then we'll kind of go off of Derek's just because he's the guest. And this way, we're not, like, talking about three different ones at the same time. Um, and so, yeah, let's get started. Also, we'll bring up some fun stuff if we remember, but I'm excited. So let's get started. Uh, number, there's eight of them. So number eight on my list is, shockingly, Texas Chainsaw, The Beginning. Josh, what's yours? Oh, wait. Hold on. My mouse died. Wait, there it goes. Um, my number eight, my worst, is Leatherface, the most recent movie. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, our, our two last ones are going to be similar. Derek, what's yours? So my number eight is also Texas Chainsaw, The Beginning. Really? Why did you put yours at the bottom? I'll, and I'll tell you why I put mine. <laughs> I just didn't like this movie like yeah. at all. I, I I tweeted out when I was rewatching it. I was like, "Why are the girls in this movie?" Yeah, um, because like it really felt like the only reason Jordana Brewster was even anywhere near this movie was because they wanted to have a traditional final girl, right? But like this was a, a movie I was really like you didn't need a final girl in this movie. Like it could have just been the two brothers. And I feel like that would have been better. Yeah. yeah like more impactful. Yeah. And also, Cause they also like, they do, they kind of do a Vietnam thing and they don't really stick to it, but it's like, that's, that's enough of an interesting premise to like well, carry it, you know? Yeah. And also it ties it back to the original in such a 
interesting way because you know the original and its immediate sequel are both real so much about the vietnam war and right what like the kind of resulting anger and confusion from that so having that be the two brothers backstory and making them the main characters Mm -hmm. would have felt i think like it was the most sensible choice (laughs) but that's not what they do they they become supporting characters even though they are the most well-defined characters yeah and they kind of they get rid of both of the brothers pretty quickly in the fact that it's like okay well we spent a lot of time setting these guys up and their dynamic and everything and then it's just like oh and they're gone right and chrissy jordana brewster's character doesn't even really become the main character until over halfway through the movie yeah yeah it's and it's awkward. only because the rest of them get captured right even Do- Do- doria bard who plays the other girl she has more like going on in her character than jordana brewster jordana brewster is literally just like well here's a girl that you know is gonna make it as far as anyone makes it <laughs> yeah also, one of the reasons I didn't like it is because, to me, the best part of... Well, first, it has that prequel problem where it's like, oh, we're just going to explain everything that ha- that you saw in the last one, which I hate. And then also, the most interesting thing to me about the remake is the fact that the sheriff, like, the fear of, like, the police and, you know, how they can abuse their authority, especially in these kind of small podunk towns... And to, like, in this one, they're like, oh, actually, he wasn't the sheriff. He just put on the uniform. Kind of like, yeah, you're, you're undercut. I felt, it felt like an undercut. It felt like a cheap undercut that didn't, it took away too much from the character than, it, than what it added. And it just kind of, like, I don't know. It just felt so kind of lazy. And also, the decision to retroactively make them cannibals again when they're not cannibals in the remake. <laughs> right. Also felt very weird. That's a very (laughs) flip-floppy thing they do throughout the series. They're like, they're kind of cannibals in this one, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. They they also made them, like, religious, which, like, it's it's the same thing where it's like, I always kind of assumed that they had some kind of crazy religion, but... In this one, they go so hard in it. It's like, okay, but are you going to say anything about that? Or are you just going to like, yeah. it's just for show? It's Listen, like it. There's one other Texas Chainsaw movie that has them, the family be religious. And I think it does it much better. Yeah. Wait, which one has them be religious? We'll get to it. Okay. All right. <laughs> We're going to talk about all of them. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh, that's what this is. <laughs> Good things I can say about this movie, it is gory as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's for sure. Um, although, a lot of the gore didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I not in that I was like, physically, how did this happen? But I was like, why is this happening? <laughs> yeah. Like, when he cuts off Monty's legs, I was like, this feels... Yeah. That was a why? yeah. It's like that's that's like a sinister moment. But why would he do this? I don't know. I was yeah. Like, so the it's... sheriff, like, and I, he's not actually the sheriff, but his name, like, his character name is Sheriff Hoyt. Like, so he's just, I don't know, regular crazy. Right. Right. <laughs> and like, and that's the other, like, again, in the in the well, in the, in the remake, they're like, oh, the whole town's in on it, and like they they've been going along with it. But in this one, like the town also has to be kind of in, like they just they just saw the guy Hoyt wearing 
wearing the sheriff's outfit and they were okay with that and now also they're okay with Tommy just killing people. It's like <laughs> they they're accepting a lot considering. Yeah, it, it's it, it it's a lot of things you have to kind of buy into that I I just can't because you're right. Like this one of the scariest parts of the remake is the first scene with the sheriff. Right. Um and then I don't know. I feel like the way he's introduced to our main characters here just kind of not that he's not intimidating cuz I think Arlie Emery does a great job like in the role, but yeah. I don't know. It just He's it, he's it, like it, less it, of a threat. Like they get the jump on him a lot whereas in the in the first one he's in, he's very much like, "Oh no, if he's there, like you're kind of fucked." But in this one it's like, "Oh no, they could have killed him a lot." And it's just like <laughs> luck that they didn't, you know. <laughs> also, I will say my roommate watched this with me and she laughed when um they push the tea lady up against the door uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, we we love the tea lady oh my 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 yeah why didn't they make her the central figure because i feel like i'm like what's her deal like she's yeah. the most interesting character yeah to, be, to kind of focus a prequel around and it's kind of like they kind of knew like her introduction where she's just like you see the planes and she has her literal umbrella like her whatever she's doing in those trailers is so unique that yeah, it would have been awesome to follow her. Uh, also, her voice is so amazing. I just want to hear more of it. But that and then they kind of ruin because that was my the only scene I really liked in the beginning. But then they kind of ruin it because he like pushes the table up against her and like she's like, oh, now it hurts to walk. It's like you didn't need to explain this because in the remake, I just thought that she was just kind of old and they live in a trailer. So. I didn't yeah. even know why she didn't walk in the first scene in the remake. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was it was the solo problem where they're like, hey, we need yeah. to explain every single thing you saw in the last movie. Yeah. Like, how did he get this and this? Right. <laughs> oh, wait, was this the one uh, where Leatherface doesn't get a chainsaw until he gets it from his boss's desk and they fire him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, oh, he never thought about cutting with a chainsaw before he saw his boss's prize chainsaw at his desk i guess it is yeah it's frustrating that's what i'll say this movie really frustrated me yeah (laughs) and so that's why it is in last place for me yeah Yeah. i can see that it's it's not too much higher up the list for me either right okay let's go to number seven which for me is leatherface the 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 prequel one the only Leatherface, Josh the twenty seventeen yeah, uh, for me it was Texas Chainsaw Massacre three the Vigo Mortensen one. What okay well we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah we are gonna get to it because my number seven is also Texas Chainsaw Massacre three. <laughs> Hell yes, twins. Where, okay. <laughs> now, now now we're getting to problems already. We're really upset. Okay, so why for you why was it number seven because it was boring <laughs> it sure is see i <laughs> like i have so much sympathy i know there were a lot of problems during mm-hmm. production but the end product is still unpleasant to watch right right it is and it to me one of the things was watching it's one of those movies where you literally see the problems of this of like the production on screen where like ken foray is murdered and then like they he just shows up later but they didn't think to cut out his very clear murder before (laughs) 
See, and for me too, what like part of it was when, when we were first going through it and keeping in mind, I'd only seen the first one before we undertook all this. Right. Um, I was like, oh, Vigo is like a charismatic, like kind of handsome, cool member of the family who's a killer. Like that's an interesting idea. And they do it so much better with Matthew McConaughey and the one after that, that it's just kind of like this one is completely forgotten. Um, except for Leatherface's golden chainsaw that has like his catchphrase on the side. That's It says the Solid Family. Yeah, that is, that, I, I like that. Yeah. I also, I've seen the trailer for this where it's like he gets it like Excalibur where it comes out yeah. of the lake. I think that's cool. <laughs> but, oh man, I did not, I've not seen it. That's great. The trailer is a hundred times because he gets it out of the lake, he catches it and then it gets hit by lightning and he turns to the camera. <laughs> See that sounds better than the the whole movie it's actually. A hundred times better than what we actually get. Um, but it, it's just interesting, like how I, I'm sure the original, like cut or like final draft of the script was much better than what we got on the screen. Right. And you know, I do wish that they could do that. And you know what? Again, I'll say this movie also has some really gnarly gore in it. Yeah. Problem, other than that I get bored. (laughs) (laughs) My problem with the movie is that I just don't like this iteration of the family very much. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. And although, again, I'll say good things. I do think it has legitimately one of the funniest moments in the entire series, which is when (laughs) Leatherface is... Um, doing the spelling game and he keeps typing food instead of like clown um, right, right. That, that's very funny to me and it reminds <laughs> me of a similar joke in bride of chucky where chucky where it's like spell woman and chucky's like b-i-t-c-h oh, yeah. <laughs> i do yeah that is a good scene in chucky bride of chucky that's my favorite one we're ranking them too um <laughs> Yeah, I, here's the thing, and here's why I put it higher on my list. Because if you look at it in the order of movies that was released, this one was the first one that had, like, they're led by a female in this one. And then they also have the little girl, and it's, like, the first time that there's females in the family. Uh, in part two, they have, like, the dead grandma, but in this one, they actually have, like, females of part of the family. And then they have the dynamic where Viggo Mortensen and the other guy are, like, kind of twins and they have this weird like dependency the problem is is that they don't go they don't dig or like explore any of those yeah it's very it's like a bunch of interesting ideas that they just kind of are like huh and then they don't actually follow through like the soldier like the idea of like the soldier i was like oh it's like an actual survivalist guy who can like fight back and then that doesn't really happen but i was like well it would have been cool if he did (laughs) yeah or like the 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 girl who like escapes at the beginning and she's been hiding out in like a texas like prairie for the last few weeks is cool but then she immediately gets murdered so yeah it's like okay that's not the nude i guess yeah and i think that's the biggest problem is like the vigo mortensen and his brother thing if you miss those two lines of dialogue you don't even catch that that's what they're trying to do because that says like they kind of explore it, but if when they take out like one line of dialogue, it's like oh, it changes. They, they turn back into boring guys. This, so, yeah, this was the movie. And it's funny you have this higher on your list because if I recall correctly, when we reviewed it, 
this was the movie where we weren't sure at the beginning if they were brother and sister or dating the the guy and the girl (laughs) and we had both just seen the movie like hours before (laughs) it's just like that's it's it was so forgettable that we lost just basic like character structure you know yeah yeah so okay okay i get it (laughs) (laughs) okay so now let's go to number six and i feel like none of you are gonna agree with me on this one but i have texas chainsaw 3d oh i I don't think that's so like offensive but no i I can i understand your reasoning um Mine is actually number six is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning, the Vietnam one we already talked about. So I still had it pretty low. Yeah. Right. Hold on. This was um, the part of my ranking that got really hard for me was these middle four. I knew what my least two favorite ones were. I know what my two favorite ones were. (laughs) Yeah. And so I I knew what had to go in this like area of the, of the ranking, but it was still kind of hard. Um, so I want to just quickly say I th- mine is like I love this movie still but I did put it really low on my ranking for right now but that could change any minute you know yeah <laughs> but for the You're purpose really, of this really hyping this ranking, up yeah, yeah I know I'm so excited <laughs> he's like that's why I chose Resident Evil Regeneration <laughs> <laughs> yeah I chose a movie that's not even a Texas Chainsaw movie <laughs> Um, yeah, I did put Texas Chainsaw Massacre: The Next Generation. Oh, what? brutal, brutal! Are you out of your mind? That's crazy. Okay, <laughs> now you're gonna have to explain. Why. I'll explain myself. <laughs> um, I, I don't for a lot of the humor works for me, but when it doesn't, it really doesn't work for me, and it gets a little too bonkers for me <laughs> at the end. Um, even though I do think this movie is really, really fun and I love watching it. I actually just got it on Blu-ray. Uh, yeah. Like it's a great time, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And it also <laughs> is kind of a remake. <laughs> so right. It, it, it's just, you know, it, it, it does too many things that take it too far away from the original for me. Um, that said, I do appreciate it for its own merits, and it easily could have been higher if I had been feeling more generous. <laughs> um, at the end, at the end of the day, though, I will always choose. I'll always choose dark and serious over comedy, which is why the rest of my ranking ends up the way it does. Right. I, I, yeah. I can respect it. Uh, I mean, to be clear, this was almost number two on my list. So I had it up pretty high. <laughs> it easily could have been in my top four. Like, <laughs> but it's in my bottom four. And, you know, that's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes. Right. And see, here's the, here's why I liked it. And we talked about this on my review. But um, when we were watching these movies, we kind of saw that they had like this theme for the first two at least of like how society views violence and like horrific crimes and like in the first one like you kind of hear it in the background of the radio and it's constant you know and to me next generation kind of picks up that theme where it's like oh now we're manufacturing uh horror like the illuminati literally like hiring psychopaths to like create terror in texas is yeah was could there have been a smarter way to convey that theme? <laughs> 
A hundred percent. Yeah, I, I don't know if it works the... quite with the Texas Chainsaw brand, but the idea of like, you know, oh, in the 70s, this is a commentary on like the violence people are feeling now. It's like the 90s kind of suburban version of like how people feel about violence. I don't know. Thematically, it works, even if the plot goes in every direction. Yeah, so. even if it gets there the dumbest way. And I, also, you know, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say also, why are they not cannibals? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it's they just a job, pizza. man. <laughs> yeah, there is like weird stuff where it's like, okay, I don't even know why that's in here. Like when they go buy the pizza and the the trunk opens. <laughs> oh, and the lady's like a, she's like a real estate person. I don't know. There's yeah. something, there's something weird about how suburban it is. I think that like, I was like, oh, I like how different it is. Like in terms of like, not even trying to be like the other ones, if that makes sense. So sure. yeah, I do love Darla. And I give it I props for originality. And I will. Yeah. And now that we're here, I have to say that on my list of best final girls, it was between Jessica Biel and Renee Zellweger, and I went with Renee Zellweger because I just like her character. She's like, she's like smart, and she doesn't put up with shit even like from the beginning, and she like kind of gets the upper hand in a way that the other ones don't. And maybe I just like that she looks, uh, she looks super cool in glasses. But... <laughs> uh, no, I also really like Renee Zellweger in this movie. Um, I think it seems like everyone's having a good time making it, and I think that's kind of important, you know. Yeah, and like, I think that. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, it, it's just uh, it's just interesting to me, like the way this whole thing came together and what they were trying to do, because obviously, like Kim Henkel, um, who you know wrote the first one and then directed this one, has like said on multiple times, he's like, we really. You know, the first one was meant to be a comedy. Like, we thought we were making a comedy and nobody really got it. And so um, I wanted to come back and make, like, the comedy version of it. And yet there's parts of it that are still kind of hard to watch. Like, when they're, um, uh, I think it's a cattle prod and they keep poking um, the other girl, Heather. Oh, yeah. Um, even when she's like crying for them to stop and they keep like that scene is kind of hard to watch for me it feels very icky yeah um, and yeah but like then you also you know you have um <laughs> matthew mcconaughey making the sand people noise like oh yeah so I also think, like, because there's that scene where Leatherface gets that girl, and he, like, you watch him as he, like, drags her through the house, and he keeps re-catching her because she kind of gets away and starts to try to run. That scene, like, it's crazy how many times they've done the Leatherface sneaks up on someone and drags them into the house scene. And uh, it's always effective because they always kind of copy the first one. And this is the first one that do- that goes another way with it and shows you, like, Oh, yeah, it would be excruciatingly long to be, like, chased by this guy as he drags you through a house. And to me, that was like, oh, man, that is... It, like, reminded me, like, oh, yeah, this would suck so much. Like, this would be terrifying. (laughs) 
Yeah. I do think I do think this movie does a really great job of like conveying how bad the situation is. Right. So again, props for that. But again, I do feel like the stakes are lowered if they're not cannibals. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, I could see it's that. It's like what but... are they gonna do? They're gonna kill us? It's like the okay. banality of evil. Um although I will say now that we're talking about it, I'm realizing all of my favorite moments have nothing to do with like Leatherface or so it's like it really does betray the premise of the film. I, yeah, and I also, you know, I, I've definitely heard the kind of back and forth about Leatherface's representation in this movie. Um, like, there, there's definitely a reading of this that, like, Leatherface is trans, or the way that they portray Leatherface as trans is actually not Leatherface as trans. Leatherface is like a crossdresser, which is kind of problematic. Right. Um, I think the film does play up that kind of uh, not great aspect of it a lot. Like, even if you look at how differently the ending of this is to the original, even though it's an homage, like Leatherface's reaction to... Um, Matthew McConaughey getting chopped up by the plane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, what a ridiculous um, sequence. And he, he, Leatherface just kind of throws their hands up and like, yeah, it's kind of, it's like, huh. It is also interesting that like Leatherface is basically only ever a woman in this movie. Um, yeah. A lot of interesting choices. I say interesting because I don't think they're necessarily bad, but I don't think that makes them good. Yeah, because this is the first time where Leatherface was portrayed by um, Robert Jacks, who's a drag queen in real or she, she was they were a drag queen in real life. And so yeah, it is a weird like because this is the first time where Leatherface is just a woman like the or she. He's dressed up like a woman the whole time, and yeah, I don't know if it was if he was trying to say something or he just because he hired someone who was already a drag queen. They were just like, oh well, yeah, that's why we hired you. But yeah, they never really again. Leatherface is the least interesting character in this movie, not just from my point of view, but from the movie's point of view. Like they spend so little time with with them that I don't even know what they really wanted to say with Leatherface. And again, it makes less sense once the Illuminati comes in because it's like. Well, Leatherface doesn't really understand human beings, so I don't know how he's agreed to this, and he's just cool with what's going on. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that is the weird because it's like it kind of makes sense, like with Matthew McConaughey and like his wife, that they're not really cannibals, but it's weird that they're part of the cannibal family, so <laughs> yeah. it doesn't really work. But I still appreciate it for how like '90s horror it is, and so. I think part of it was like hearing how bad it had been for so long. When I finally watched it, I was like, what are they talking about? Oh, I definitely think people, like, this is a movie people are kind of just understanding kind of rocks. Right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I also have to say, I, I don't love Leatherface's first design in this movie. And that's kind of also great. I only like the long hair um, design. I don't like the short hair. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I definitely don't really like either of them. Like the, the mat because he has uh, like a chest piece in this one, and it just like it ends up looking too much like rubber when it's not supposed to be rubber; it's supposed to be like a person. So yeah, like I said, I it does. I do really like the scene. There's that scene where um, Matthew McConaughey's like, "Oh, he's dead," and then she's like, "No, he's not," and he kills him. <laughs> he goes, he's dead now. 
Yeah, I like I like this movie. I, yeah, but it's not scary in any way. Didn't the didn't the actors try to fight to not get this release though, or something like that? No, it was um that is a like common like urban legend. Ah. What actually happened is that Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey both loved working on this movie, um, and they were super excited about it. But then, um, I can't remember what movie it was for each of them that released like within a week of each other. And this hadn't come out yet, so their agents oh. tried to get this movie to. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense because I don't see Matthew McConaughey caring that much about any role like That's... he's ever been in. Like he's always kind of excited about everything he's doing, and including his next role as governor of Texas. <laughs> yeah. I will vote for him. It has to be better. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like... yeah. <laughs> all right should we should we do number five yeah let's do number five as i sit here in heartbreak that we've already talked about next generation i know my number five <laughs> at least it was like all positive bro <laughs> that's true <laughs> my number five is texas chainsaw three leatherface josh uh mine is actually the texas chainsaw massacre 2003 the jessica beale oh one. shut up Uh, my number five is texas chainsaw 3d okay yeah yeah i could see that i had that lower just i can swing it yeah i don't know that movie's so like weird like i mean it's not good i this is the one where it's like it's not like oh it's like so campy bad it's like they're clearly they fucked up a lot but i do appreciate like a lot of the, I don't know, Trey Songs is in it. How can you not give it a ranking up for that? You know, I do like Trey Songs. Why did you put it at this point? I think this movie is a lot of fun, and I had only like it, like just like the Next Generation. I think this movie is a lot of fun, um, but it's more serious than Next Generation, so that gives mm-hmm. it the slight um, oh. edge for me. Also, it's gorier than the Next Generation, so. Um, that really also kind of gives it the edge for me. Um, you know, it does what Halloween 2018 does, but it did it five years earlier. <laughs> um, just a direct sequel to the original. Um, I like how this kind of builds a new mythology for right. the swears, but still keeps like still keeps the heart of the family the same unlike what three and four did um like it, it definitely still feels like this is that same cannibal family even though it makes the kind of myth- mythology behind them a little bigger because like the family's bigger and oh they were all killed like the next day yeah. um, <laughs> i think that's i actually do think that's kind of cool um i know i know everyone's biggest complaint about this well one of the biggest complaints is that alexander tatario should be 40 <laughs> right yes but tatario <laughs> day is 36 and looks exactly the same as she that is true right so <laughs> like she's now closer to 40 than 30 and she looks yeah. the same eight yeah. years later so i'm, a- I'm actually going to take even more points off because she's too hot she's too pretty she's yeah she's, she's very now she's now like older than me <laughs> well i guess she was always older than me but <laughs> yeah, she somehow jumped you in age and you didn't realize it 
but she's older than me and she looks way better than i'll ever look um here's yeah one of the things is i kind of feel like i don't hate that especially watching it again i don't hate the idea of like like even the campiness, I just kind of wish that they had gone a little bit more into campiness. Like had her, like her heel turn when she's in the car with Clint Eastwood's son is so like out of nowhere. I kind of wish we had seen more hints other than her like playing with, with bones at the beginning. And then my other complaint is that I think that um, I forgot what my other complaint was. <laughs> You can't think of any because Trey Songs no, isn't it. Too well. good. Um, oh, <laughs> I kind of wish, and I don't know what you guys think of this. I kind of wish that this movie had started like if they had the whole like she has to take care care of Leatherface thing was more of the movie as opposed to just being like the hint of the sequel at the end of it. You know, I think that was a cool idea. So you just wish she she'd read the letter right away, like, yeah, yeah, like immediately. <laughs> Well, no, and I almost, I could kind of see that. I think, like, well, because, you know, you say, like, Next Generation's funny and this one is serious, but this one is serious in tone, but it's so, like, absurdist with, like, the way yeah. they do, like, the the cop is like, no, we need to get Leatherface a lawyer or whatever the fuck have it. You know, like, it's so, like, silly, but, like, played straight that I almost feel like I'm like, is this intentionally absurdist, you know? It's like, I, 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 I don't know what's intentional or not, I guess. I, I pointed out that, like, at one point, uh, Tanya Ramunda tells, like, she has a shotgun and she goes, Welcome to Texas, motherfucker. But she's no. not from <laughs> Texas. <laughs> right. She I, can't say that to him. I think, I first of all, I love that scene. Um, <laughs> that scene is good. But, uh, yeah, I, I understand. I think that's why I said this movie is so fun, right? Like, because it is like kind of surreal and absurd a lot of the time, right? But because it plays everything straight, I don't know for some reason it just makes it easier for me to digest. Yeah. <laughs> um, I get it. Yeah. And I think it also kind of plays a little more into what their intention was with the original, mm, because yeah. you know, like the the te- the original name for Texas Chainsaw Massacre was Head Cheese. Like they really thought they were making something so funny and then right. you know it didn't necessarily land even though i do i definitely do see like the moments of dark humor in that movie right i think this movie kind of just takes that up several notches in terms of having ridiculous kind of campy moments and i enjoy that i also <laughs> um you know it's scene i love too and is one of those things where you almost never see this in movies, but it would 100% happen in real life where the cop is going through like the dungeon with his gun drawn and then immediately shoots the survivor when she jumps out and asks for his help. <laughs> you exactly. know, it's such a good, like, I was like, yeah, the, the, the mayor's watching. He's like, oh, that didn't happen. <laughs> it's, just, it's like, oh, that's so funny, but also true to life. And there is moments like you mentioned it, Derek, but I wanted to bring it back. Yeah. The ways they go, like, the two things that are the funniest to me are the ways they go out of, like, the letter that she's given by the lawyer at the very beginning and the ways they get her to not read that letter are, like, it's so, it's so absurd that it works. And then the way that they try, like, they don't ever not, like, they'll, 
show the date, but they're always it's like the the year is just out of frame so that they don't have to like explain that this group of 20 year olds is supposed to be like 45 or whatever. This is it's just an alternate reality where 2000s fashion was around in the 90s and so was Trey Song's music. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know the originally it was supposed to take place in the 90s. And then that mm. like they didn't update the script when that decision was made to not have it take place in the 90s. <laughs> Um, so like, it if you can just buy a movie supposed to take place in the nineties, yeah, it kind of works. I don't even think they ever. Oh, they do have the 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 sheriff, the cop, go in with like his phone on. Yeah, no, no, they they use a lot of modern technology, but just pretend <laughs> it's nineties. Well, you know, it's very know. funny. Like they could have even done like, oh, her mom didn't do it but then like the grandma reached out to her after the you know like there's so many ways they could have made her the granddaughter instead of the direct daughter of this like 70 year old woman (laughs) another funny scene is they pick up that hitchhiker and then they get to the house and they just leave him and he's like oh i'm gonna stay here and clean up and then like he robs them and then he gets killed and then they get back and they're like man he robbed us he tricked us into by saying all the right things. It's like he didn't say anything. You guys left him there. And <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just assumed that he was gonna like not steal your shit. Yeah, I don't know. I, well, he did something. He did like one thing, right, to help them. I think yeah, like he's like, I'll carry your bags in. I'm polite. Or it was, oh, some, it was something I, very minuscule. I was yeah. like, yeah, I was like, I thought he did something for. Uh, yeah, it, it literally was just he carried their bags. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, so oh my god! <laughs> that's what I think. That's you know what? Another this movie is so funny. And then like yeah, of course the scene at the end where the get him cuz. But see, everyone loves the get him cuz scene. But I like the sheriff because he's like watching Leatherface kill the mayor and like his flunkies. And then the the sheriff is like, justice has been served. It's like no one has. It. <laughs> yeah, like, They've killed so many. Go back people. to killing random people, Leatherface. We're good. <laughs> well, what's funny is the black sheriff in this movie and the black sheriff in Halloween and Halloween Kills actually kind of have the same storyline. <laughs> yeah. Where they're like, have to deal with these vigilante mobs, right? Right. And they're like, please stop. Like, I'm thinking of the opening scene of this movie and also the scene in the hospital in Halloween Kills when. Anthony Michael Hall screams, we're going to execute Michael Myers. <laughs> and the sheriff just looks at him like, please stop. Yeah. <laughs> and like the opening scene here where the sheriff pulls up and he's like, please do not shoot this entire family. Right. right. Which is also funny because then uh, Bill Mosley, who's playing the chef in this one, he, um, he goes to like the door, like when he's like talking to the sheriff and he's like, I just want to make sure he that he gets a good lawyer. I want the sheriff to be like, it doesn't matter if he gets the best lawyer. <laughs> He's wearing someone else's face on his face. It's going to be hard to defend. Hey, I'm, I am very disappointed we never had a sequel with the trial of Leatherface. Just... Also, since we're here, there's some trivia that I've been thinking about since I read it. I didn't even bring it up at the podcast. But originally the idea was to start this movie in the hospital after like this these people have been attacked by Leatherface and the whole thing takes place in the hospital 
And then the idea would be that it would be a trilogy and the prequel would be how they got to the hospital. And then the sequel would be what happens after the hospital. I thought that was a super, it was like a unnecessary idea, but I liked it that they would start with the aftermath and then the whole thing takes place in a hospital. What do you guys think? That's very Halloween too. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, it's, 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 a neat, it's a neat concept of, you know, I don't know if it would have worked, but, you know. Yeah, as I mentioned, not a huge, well, actually, as I mentioned before we were recording, not right. <laughs> during this recording, not a huge fan of Halloween 2, so I'm not sure how much I would have liked that, but, you know, it's definitely an interesting concept to be like, okay, here's the middle, and then you'll get the beginning, and then you'll get the end. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's an interesting concept. Also, maybe because I'm make my own stuff still that i'm uh, every time there's like an idea where it's like ooh, one location <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah that plans out <laughs> also before from them. before we move on i just have to say i know you guys have been pushing really hard for trey songs and i'm not gonna say anything <laughs> negative about him are you really gonna clown on mr steal your girl right now well a little bit because <laughs> think about how much better <laughs> the kind of campy nature of the movie would have come across if Jason Derulo had played that part instead. Oh man. Jason Derulo would have been. Yeah. <laughs> that was, <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I feel like he would have by himself added like 10% more campiness to it. That's what I mean. It, it would have been the McConaughey been... factor for this one. I could see it. Yeah. I feel like Trey Songz is just playing everything a little too. I think he's, he's too serious actually. Yeah. He does a good job, but he's definitely in an actual Texas Chainsaw movie, which is not the movie. That... <laughs> which is like not the, the Daddario cousin. Yeah. I was like, the only actor who needs to play things straight up until she doesn't is Alexandra Daddario. Right. And she does her job. Like <laughs> she she understands what's going on, but her like, and and the other friends also understand what movie they're in, but. I feel like there's a disconnect there that I think would have been solved had Jason Derulo taken the role. Yeah, because he cannot. He cannot do that. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, that would be super awesome. As soon as he said it, I was like, okay, yeah, that would work. <laughs> okay, okay, let's let's move on. What's what number are we on? Four. We're about to. Four. We're in okay. our top. We're in the top half. <laughs> yeah. Now, now we've reached it. So okay, this one might be a little controversial. Oh. My number four is Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> what take Part Two? <laughs> yes, you know where the rest of my list is. I feel. Uh, okay, Josh, what's your four? Well, mine is controversial too because it is Resident Evil Regeneration. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually my number four actually is Texas Chainsaw 3D, the Daddario one. So we, okay. we just covered it. Yeah, so I just bumped it a little above the Just Could yeah. Be a One. You're wrong, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> my, I think mine is going to be the most controversial of all because if you guys remember, there's a movie that I haven't put on my list yet. <laughs> and that is the 20th movie. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, we both had that one at the bottom. And guys, guys, it was almost my number three. <laughs> I don't understand yeah, your life. Again, I love this movie. <laughs> really? Love? Oh, I man. Love this movie. 
Okay, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to expand on this. Uh, yeah, I'll, if I can, I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Um, I just was maybe it's when I like I had so I had seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time in January of 2019. Yeah, because I was 19. So, um, and then like I quickly like kind of started watching the other movies and then i so i had seen i had seen that and i had seen texas chainsaw 3d and then i saw this one so this was the first timeline of the texas chainsaw movies that i had seen right um so i still i hadn't i had seen the remake actually i had the the remake was the first movie in the series i had seen ever um so i'd seen those i'd seen half of them at this point and for whatever reason (laughs) I just really liked this movie. Um, I liked the how different. I liked how different it was. For some reason, this movie being so different didn't bother me because it was a prequel, and it, it I, it's easier for me to buy a prequel being wildly different than a sequel for some reason. Um, but like, I think this movie does a, a couple of things really, really well. One, the level of violence feels just right yeah. to me. I right. really like how violent it is and how unforgiving it is to every character. Yeah. Um, two, I feel like outside of the original two movies, this is my favorite depiction of the family in mm. the series. Um, three, it has Lily Taylor in it, and Lily Taylor is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I do like Lily Taylor. Um, and I mean, I could. There's truly a whole <laughs> a whole bunch of reasons I like this movie, but I feel like also it has my favorite reference to the famous dolly shot when um, Sally's dad's girlfriend walks up to the barn. <laughs> also, <laughs> like having Sally's dad already have trauma related to this family is very funny to me right um i don't know why i was just like that's so fucked up and so funny that is such a funny like <laughs> um, I, that's one of those things where that happens so early in the movie that later when they're like he's real bad to kids it's like well you guys did kill and torture his daughter <laughs> so i can't really say i'm on your side you know <laughs> I will say that I really like the way this one looks. Like, it is probably the... it, And it's weird because it, it's one of the only ones that wasn't filmed in Texas. But it looks like Texas enough for me. And, like, the way they frame it, like, they use a lot of wides, which a lot of the other Texas movies don't. And it just looks really nice. And you know what? That diner scene is, like... It's really good. It's a really good, well-done scene about how, like, gruesome and like cold-hearted people are you know i also just like the idea because i think it's really faithful to the original of of like leatherface jedediah as they call him in this continuity um not really knowing where his allegiances lie it feels it feels faithful to the original movie in how the family treats him, but how he also, you know, becomes easily distressed when new people enter his life and his home. Um, And how, like, he's willing to help you 
until you insult his mom. Um, right. Like, it all... It, it read very true to the character for me. And I also like that this movie doesn't do what I think the remake does, which is completely take away any personality Leatherface has. Because Leatherface has a person. He's not Michael Myers or Jason. Like, right. he has a personality, even if he doesn't talk. And so I think making sure that we establish that very early on in this movie, um, even as this movie does, like, does try and um, trick you by having also <laughs> the fat guy. With the, the, the faux leather face. Yeah, I did, well, I did I like, appreciate that absurdity. Yeah, like that yeah. yeah, that guy was cool. He was. And also, if you watch the trailer for this movie, they really sell it as being that guy is Leatherface. Oh, okay. Um, See, because to me, I didn't, I didn't, I never, well, I kind of understood that they were trying to let it be Leatherface, but I knew that it wasn't because the first scene you see like a skinny Jeremiah. So I just assumed that it was the same, <laughs> like you've just stayed skinny. Um, I knew because I remember when that guy was cast as Leatherface. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was like, I know that this guy's Leatherface, but it's cute that, you know, you're trying. And I guess also, you technically, the other guy was also a fake-out Leatherface because he's more obviously crazy. Yeah. So. Also, uh, I don't I don't know if you read this, but the girl, the, the burned victim, Clarice girl, originally, and this would not have worked, but I do love that they had considered it. Originally, they were going to turn her into Chop Top, which... I know, I know. <laughs> oh, um, man, I would have loved to see them go through with that. Just yeah, to I be just like, want the more balls. Chop Top. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I always just want more Chop Top in any of the sequels that he's not in. But it yeah, was like, just... not necessarily, like, literally Chop Top, but kind of this homage yeah. um, that they really cut down because... Um, I guess they were like, this feels more like a ripoff than an homage. So they oh, kind okay. of got, um, they kind of trimmed that down. But I still, I still see that, like the bones of that idea there, because her crazy definitely feels like Chop Top's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, like it feels like they come from the same place. Right. Um, and so that's, that's enjoyable to me. Um <laughs> as a chop top fan. <laughs> yeah. But uh also Finn Jones is in this movie. <laughs> and that just feels like okay and he gets eaten by pigs. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's such <laughs> And also like he's like he gets cuz he does the oh we had a deal and it's like you should have known. This one's on you. Deputy. <laughs> yeah. And it's also that this one continues with Texas. It, it definitely is like in continuity of Texas Chainsaw 3D because we see a lot of like the characters from that movie or like their parents. Right. But it does kind of flip the ending of Texas Chainsaw 3D around because the Sawyers are painted as explicitly bad guys in this movie. Yeah. And not the kind of like misunderstood anti-villains that they are in 3d um and i think that was definitely the right choice uh, right 
And I also I think Sam Strike is really good as as Jedediah. <laughs> yeah, no, I and I think the acting was all good in this one. I, I, there was no one where I was like, oh, this sucks. I really, um, I have to be honest. I think this movie would be much better received if it wasn't called Leatherface, right? Because I really appreciate the ways it differentiates itself from the rest of the franchise. I know a lot of other people don't. And I feel like that takes precedence over the actual actual content of the movie sometimes Mm -hmm. for some people. Um, And that's not like, (laughs) that's not meant to be like a call out or anything. Like (laughs) if that's why you don't like this movie, I understand that's why I'm not a huge fan of Texas Chainsaw The Next Generation. But I feel like I'm able to buy it a little bit more because it feels like it's in line with the important aspects of the Texas Chainsaw story. You know, it's brutal. It is, they're cannibals. <laughs> and right. Leatherface is not some, like, you know, faceless killer, you know. he He's um, heartlet, like, you know, he has a personality. He has a, he has motive. He has drive. Right. Um, and we understand some crucial part about him. And I definitely see, I can see for like the evolution of um, this version of like Jed Sawyer into um, the Leatherface that we know from the original. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, yeah, I, and I didn't mind the like kind of, road trip aspect i like that especially because in none of the other ones i mean this one definitely and it's funny because the name takes it out but this one definitely adds back in the texas part of the texas chainsaw massacre because all the other ones they keep it pretty tight as to what the area of location is and this is the only one that we're kind of bouncing around texas it's not like a huge thing but we're at least moving around and i think that that was interesting it's something we kind of needed you know and also, you know, this is just me defending the movie more, <laughs> but Toby Hooper, I, I'm just thinking about like his intention with the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre in regards to Texas, like as the as the um, place where the story takes place. And, you know, he shot it the way he did because he wanted to make Texas look like an apocalypse had taken place, right? It's like a post-apocalyptic Texas. And if the original is supposed to be a post-apocalyptic Texas, then the way Texas and its institutions are portrayed in this movie are definitely like at the five minutes to midnight on the doomsday clock kind of point. Right, right, like, right. It, it definitely makes like why Texas is the way it is in these movies make sense. Like, seeing the institutions act the way they do, you know, and the people of the, of the state that are in the areas where the story takes place. Like it all makes sense to me with the original and then also Texas Chainsaw 3D. Um, Yeah. I will say that, I mean, this one's not campy at all, um, but they do have one campy scene. And I think that it's one of my favorite scenes. Maybe I just like camp. But at the very beginning, because this was made by the guys or the people who did um, uh, Martyrs, right? Oh, no, Inside, sorry. And at the very beginning, because they're not American, 
like they the the first victims it's like a cheerleader and no it's a catholic school girl and her leather jacket wearing quarterback boyfriend <laughs> yeah and it's almost like hey guys this is americans this is what americans look like that <laughs> i've ever seen i loved it yeah and i mean it's also um wait isn't there is isn't the opening like an actual different it's like yeah, a, it's, no, like, yeah, yeah there's thief. there's like a there's like a pig right. thief but then then yeah, the, then it's the couple and that's the sheriff's daughter yeah 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 yeah. Open, yeah yeah um so like the pig thief aspect also i think sets up the family like it lets us know everything that we need to know about the family <laughs> yeah yeah, I think, and I yeah, I really like that scene. The it starts with the birthday. Yeah, like um, like even even when times are good, they're still like malicious and vindictive, you know. And I kind of well, thing. and I really like the way, and to me, that kind of centers around the whole idea behind Texas Chainsaw, where it starts off, and they're like singing "Happy Birthday." It's like the idyllic family birthday, and then they're like, "Now let's see if the thief wants to talk," and he's like tied up and bleeding, and it's like. Yeah, this kind of encaptures what the the whole idea of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is. I mean, yeah, their movie is about family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and also, when they dig into that cake, it looks so disgusting. <laughs> yeah. All, and yeah, and, and even like the idea because at the like it, they establish that Steven Dorf kind of knows what they've been doing, or he like has the idea. He's just never been able to like. Um, to catch him in the act. And so the idea of claiming that the house is unstable and so taking away her children, which is like, again, that would be the way to hurt them was also a really good idea that I had never really thought of. And I always like, I always like when there's a way to hurt the villain that I haven't thought of, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. So it does, it did have good moments, but I just wasn't that impressed with uh I'm also I, I'm also not an asylum guy. I prefer American Horror Story season one to season two. So points against it there. Yeah, I mean, how long is it in the <laughs> asylum for? It's like for five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. get out of the asylum. <laughs> you, like you, you, meet, you meet all the asylum characters. You oh. know, they they definitely are a presence the whole time. Yeah. So. Okay. Also, no, no Trey songs, so no trace automatically. Songs. Yeah. Okay, wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so now we're on to our top three. So these are the big ones. My number three is going to be the remake from 2003, Texas Chainsaw. 2003. <laughs> 2003. No one says it that way. <laughs> so I, I'm starting a new thing. It's 12 years too late. Josh, what was your number three? My number three is The Next Generation. McConaughey oh. forever. I'll defend it. <laughs> I'll defend... Take take everything Derek said about um, Leatherface and apply it to Next Generation. <laughs> Even the stuff that doesn't apply. <laughs> Just, yeah. And um, Derek? My number three is also the 2003 remake. Yeah, okay. I think... Was this the... You said that this was the... Uh, the this first one the I saw. First, this was the yeah, first one. one. And I think it was the first one I saw and the first one Josh saw. Yeah, that's true. It is. Um, you know what? I think the reason, too, I put it lower on the list because I can't really, like, I'm sure you guys are going to say good things about it. I'll mostly agree. But uh, the C, the direct sequel to this one is is bad enough that it sours it somewhat in my mind. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I could see it. 
It yeah, definitely annoyed I, me. Much he, I hate the beginning. It's it's <laughs> it's like a crank to crank two situation where I'm like, you've you've gone so far in one direction, I cannot disassociate this thing. So, yeah, yeah. What? Well, and I, one of the things again, we mentioned this earlier, but yeah, the thing I really liked was like, if you're talking about violence in America, the sheriff being an addition is great. The fact that the town is in on it is also again, it's a great. You know, uh, it's a great comment on how American violence and how so many of us like kind of turn a blind eye, especially when it benefits us, even if it's just slightly, and even if the it benefits us just a little bit as opposed to the repercussions. Um, so I think those are all good, Derek. Why did you like? Why do you have it at three? Well, it was my introduction to the franchise, and that's really important for me. Um, right, and. I I just enjoy kind of this era of slashers. Yeah. <laughs> um. So by this era, I mean kind of everything that comes between this and the Friday the 13th remake in mm-hmm. 2009. I think it's a really strong run of slasher remakes, more good than not. Um, and so I, I like that this movie does so many different things in the original because it really could have been a by the numbers kind of, you know, just plot point to plot point remake, but it's not. It, it, yeah. It's doing different things. And, you know, I also love that while it is definitely gorier than the original, <laughs> it still has the same, like, discretionary attitude towards a lot of the gore. Um, right. So that you definitely remember this movie being more bloody than it is. Yeah. Because it's not that gory. Right, right. The goriest scene is probably uh, when the sheriff is, like, making the guy help him saran wrap that girl's, like, blown off head. Like, Yeah. Yeah, okay, I mean, so it, it is disgusting. The cuts off the guy's leg. Well, yeah, 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 but I guess it's where like it lingers on the saran wrap so long. It's just so gross, you know. <laughs> I, I, that's another thing. Points to this movie for that amazing shot through the back of her head. Oh yeah, that's a, that like establishes because I feel like when we went to go see this movie, you know, a lot of times when you go see remakes, they try to like be a little bit more audience friendly, especially when they're of like these indie horror films that like broke through. But that scene kind of like sets you up like, oh no, this is going to be like, we're going to try to scare you and we're going to like go for it. And I really like that they did that. It's such a great opening. I also have to say the house is a mansion. Yeah. (laughs) It's so big. Not that the house in the original isn't big, but this house is huge. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, Leatherface has like I a full-on laboratory too. in this yeah, one. <laughs> yeah, no, I also I think it's a gorgeous house, but like, it's so interesting. Like, I think it it, it really kind of changes the context for the family a little bit because you're like, how did you, how did your how is this your family home if you guys are just like butchers? Um, but you know. Um, Maybe there's some context there, maybe not, that you can choose to read into or not. But uh, (laughs) um, I also really like uh, the chase scene with Jessica Biel near the end of the movie, um, where I think she really 
proves herself as a great final girl. Um, you know, when she chops off Leatherface's arm and she does that great fake out with the pig in the locker. Um, it, I think it's really, really good. And I, I like, um, honestly, I like most of the stuff in this movie. I think it's a great movie. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. And I, th- I really love Jessica Biel as the final girl. I think she brings like her own dynamic. She has like a full fledged character. She's like tough and like it's believable that she can outsmart these people because she's kind of like it's implied that she's had a little rough. I I like you know I like all of the characters from the family to the victims. And this is one of the ones where all the victims have like kind of a like some kind of presence in it. Even like the the hitchhiker girl they pick up um this they pick up two like the other girl that that's uh, hooking up with the blonde guy. I think they all like have some kind of agency and she's, you know, she's just like, they could have also just given them no agency and just had them be killed. Cause you know, they're going to be killed. And the fact that they did it. And also the scene where Leatherface wears the fiance or the boyfriend's face. It's like one of my favorite scenes. Cause we know that he wears people's faces, but this is the first time that he's kind of like, used it to mock the victims and i thought that that was super effective because it's like oh yeah he does this in the prequel too but in a less effective way i think yeah i think in the prequel yeah it doesn't work as well also well it doesn't work as well because a i don't care about those characters as much. <laughs> but also she saw the whole thing, so like she saw him skin the face and everything, and I think yeah. that takes away from the reveal. Mm-hmm. I think it's much more horrific when Jessica Biel stumbles upon Leatherface already wearing her boyfriend's face. Right, and it also helped, like, because at that point in the movie, Jessica Biel doesn't know she's. They're still technically looking for the boyfriend, and it's like the stark realization that no, he is not only is he gone, but he's at this point. Also, I think, like, it's probably one of the... Like, I really like the score in that movie. It's just really well done. It's it's so good. It sets the tone perfectly. And, you know, the absolutely horrific scene where she has to kill her friend. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's a lot, but it feels very in line with the... Um, with the tone and kind of values of the original. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, it kind of adds as a good companion piece to the original where, like, the scene where the blonde guy is trying to pick himself up from the hook and he can't because it would be super hard. It just, like, it makes you, like, remember how, like, like how kind of pointless and horrifying everything that Leatherface does to these people is. Where it's like, yeah, even if you were a strong guy, you couldn't pick yourself off a hook that's stuck in your back. And every time you dropped, it would just, like, cut you a little bit more. And then also the nasty little kid, I think, is fun. Yeah. Because it's the kid from The Ring. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Yeah. And they just came out the same year. Damn. Kid was blowing up. I've actually never seen The Ring, so. I I only saw The Ring kind of recently, but I recognized him immediately. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) I was like, that's that fucked up little kid from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It, it's the same thing when I saw No Country for Old Men and Kathy Lamkin came up. I was like, oh my god, it's a my, my, my girl. 
And she also has a very like she has one of the best scenes in No Country too. Yeah, I love I love that scene with the tea lady when they drug her and mm-hmm. she doesn't realize right away. It it feels like obviously like something's off, right? But you don't yeah, there's really a sense of foreboding. Yeah. And I think the way that Kathy keeps like just having a normal conversation and smiling at her. It makes it so much creepier that it's like, yeah, this is just part of these people's lives that every once in a while they'll catch a, a hitchhiker or like a bunch of teens coming through and then they'll kill them or kill them help Leatherface the capture them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I actually do. That That is one of those things that I think looking back, this is the only movie that truly got it like right in the sense of like, in like one and two, they're so isolated. You just don't, you're just like, okay, there's the family. No one else knows anything. This is the only one that has like the other townsfolk being in on it in a way where you're like, okay, I can see this. And then again, the the prequel kind of makes it not make sense anymore. But in this one, it really is like, yeah, they're all just kind of in this together, law enforcement and everyone included, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. The no... implication would be that like, they always kind of listen to the sheriff and that, and then he just like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're eating people. And they're just like, well, sheriff is always right. Right, and then after this, they're always like, no, there was a good sheriff, but then something happened, and it's always <laughs> like, how? How? <laughs> so, yeah. And also, you know, I think I, I like I like the ending. It feels like the reason that I, I don't think it's as good as the original ending is because this ending feels a little hopeful, and the original doesn't, and right. I just think that's such an important aspect of the original. But obviously, as a viewer, I like that I feel some hope about Aaron's future at the end. Like, obviously, she'll be traumatized forever. But she also saved a baby from being indoctrinated into this family. Yeah, yeah. I feel like um, I really like the ending. I like that she gets away. And I I also really like that they're... And I, again, I feel like they kind of ruined this with the prequel. But the way that, like... They did a they did a remake, but they put an ending to it, um, which is like a little bit, especially now with like the franchise talk every time. But like they cut off Leatherface's arm, or yeah, his arm. Yeah, they, they killed the sheriff. Arm and they killed the sheriff, yeah. which like totally takes away any of the power the family has. Right. I mean, they can get Leatherface like a prosthetic arm, but I think the loss is like probably emotionally demoralizing for him (laughs) which is why they had to do a prequel and not a sequel and then they just canceled the sequel because they were like "Mm, this isn't i feel like there's a different universe where it went hard in the like friday the 13th direction where jace um where like leatherface gets some sort of demonic arm you know and then you find out that like they've had a pact with satan the whole time (laughs) they just uh go the next generation route or even better they go evil dead and they give leatherface like the golden chainsaw from three right as just the end of his arm but as his arm yeah like a golden (laughs) chainsaw awesome the fact that he's like 10 feet tall um i also yeah that actually is something i like about all the remakes in this era um like this and halloween and friday the 13th is how big they make all the killers (laughs) because i'm like this guy is so big and uh tyler main who plays halloween in the rob zombie movies is like Mm -hmm. six nine Derek mears is obviously huge so 
And this is—is is this Derek Mears or is this Andrew? This is not Derek Mears, but this is like Andrew. Sorry, Derek one. Mears plays Jason in the Friday. Right. So, this is a good era for tall guys. Uh, this, yeah, this is Andrew uh, Brunerski. Yeah, and he's also a huge guy. He was in Fireflies, the other one. I yeah, he's six five. Yeah, and, so, and I do like it. I do like how imposing he is, and like, yeah, and I, I, I do also like where they do that thing where, like, when, um, when the boyfriend gets killed, they keep it simple. Where he just hits him over the head, and then it's over. Which is always my favorite part. Um, but yeah, overall, I think this is a good movie. I have no problems with it. I also, it does feel like it's in the same universe as Friday the 13th remake for no reason, <laughs> which I like. I mean, I like that movie, so it works for me. Um, yeah, I was surprised that never got a sequel, or maybe it didn't. I just didn't hear about it. But... No, the, I mean, the Friday the 13th is... Yeah, so there's that legal drama that's oh, going yeah. on. But they had time to make a sequel before that became a thing. That was like uh, on one of our videos we put out for, it was for Texas Chainsaw, right? Where the studio doing the copyright strike didn't even own the rights anymore or something like that. It's like, yeah. how is this so confusing? Yeah, we got a copyright strike for one of them. And then this, we contacted the studio and they're like, oh, we don't own that movie anymore. It's like, it's on your like streaming service. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like, you the, renting this movie from yourself? What the hell? The rights are so complicated. Okay, let's, yeah. Let's okay. Remake, good. Josh, wrong, all the time. I did, um, I'm sorry, was Trey Songs in this movie? No? <laughs> He's the hero that we didn't know. <laughs> we we um, do have to just, I, I do want to quickly just say, the movie had a budget of $9.5 million, and it made $107 million at the box office. Damn. That's, uh, you know, no small. That's That's called pulling a reverse dune. And that's the thing where I, I don't know anyone who didn't go see this movie. It was like everyone. Well, and I, we were at the age where like we had just gotten our driver's license. So it was like everyone was trying to see it and everyone was like excited for it, which for some reason died, by the way, by the time beginning came out. I guess we were all secretly subconsciously knew they couldn't do it again. <laughs> I do want to just say, I I was curious when you were like that reverse Dune, I was curious about how much Dune has made, but Dune has already made more money in two days than the Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Oh, no, I just meant because it made like 20 times its budget and yeah, it's probably not going to even make its budget back, but... Probably not. And there's yeah. there are a lot of factors for that, but also that just comes with like, that's why the like COVID the most successful and... movies of all time in terms of like box office return have consistently been horror movies you know right like the They're original so yeah the original was like the most six like um the most profitable movie of all time until blair witch project came out which was then the most profitable movie of all time until paranormal activity yeah 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 because so, like, we get the best like oh the difference between our budget and our <laughs> in our box office yeah, it's it's really, um, and that but even then for the remake to still kind of have that effect, even though it's like a big, rel- well, right. I guess I'd say mid budget movie, you know, almost ten million, like, and then to make more than ten times its budget back, like, good yeah. for you. Yeah, and like, there's so much about this movie that I respect. I remember when it came out, like, because. Jessica Biel is probably the most famous person who was in this in these movies at the time that it was made. Like, technically Matthew McConaughey, but he wasn't famous when it was made. And, like, they really 
downplayed her role in the trailers and stuff. Like, I didn't even know she was in it until we started watching the movie. And I think that the marketing, like, they just knew what they were doing. And it was, like, insane how much I enjoyed this film. Good. Okay. Let's move. Let's move to number two, which for me is Next Generation. It's all Maddie C all the time. <laughs> Josh? Wait, is it really? Yeah. Wait, where did you rank Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2? At four. Four. Oh, okay, okay. That's well, mine's Texas asking. Chainsaw Massacre 2. <laughs> Chomp Top. <laughs> Mine is also Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. I mean, come on. Uh, the, 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 the top two Chomp should Chomp. be the same for all of us. I don't know why you deviate <laughs> so much. <laughs> I'm just... I, listen, listen I'm, always, I'm always that guy. Um, yeah, I feel like... Yeah, Texas Chainsaw 2. Chop Top is... I feel like Chop Top is great because he's... Uh, him and the Sheriff from the remake are like ones where it's like, oh, they, they kind of rival Leatherface in terms of being... Like, everyone knows like exactly presence. what movie they're from. Yeah. Like who they are, you know? Well, and, you know, I think it's funny, Derek. You're like, oh, I'll always take drama over comedy. But this is like almost a silly remake of yeah, the first movie. <laughs> like, yeah. it's so it fucking also, absurd. I love it. It though. also doesn't have the problems of the other funny movies. That <laughs> yeah, is true. It's, I yeah. think this is genuinely a very well-made, good movie. <laughs> like, right. so, like, it also has that going for it. And also, I, obviously, I did rank the original higher than this one, so, like, there's still, you know, there's still that, but... But no, I just love this movie. It's great. And the humor is funny. And everything is just big. And then they go bigger. You know, like everything's right. bigger in Texas, including every choice that anyone makes in this movie. Yeah. Kitty, like the personalities of the first two guys who get killed are the most, like, are I so over them. the top. But, like, it's it's so good. So memorable. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything is stuck in my brain because everything <laughs> everyone does in this movie is so big and memorable that like you just can't you can't unsee anything. Right, right. And the fact that this movie goes so hard in the other direction in terms of gore to the first movie, um, it, it makes it a nice duology. I think. Um, I really, yeah, I just really like this movie and the original together. <laughs> and I, I think Toby, he figures out the perfect way to like mix the horror and the, and the comedy because like that, like there's scenes in this, like where they, the, the scene where they catch the kids on the bridge and Leatherface is like using the grand or the hitcher to like, as like a kind of a costume <laughs> is like, that scene scared me so much as a kid that like, I still like it's so vivid in my brain. <laughs> yeah, just it also like I don't know. I was very surprised by how like effective it is when he turns on the lights and Leatherface has just been waiting there, and like at the, the studio the whole time. Oh my god! Yeah, one of the best jump scares ever. <laughs> like, yeah. it really got me when I first watched it, <laughs> and it gets my sister every time. Like. <laughs> It's so good. Also, I think the reason it's so good is because you're already creeped out right. by this really long scene with Chop Top and Stretch, who I love. I actually yeah, think Stretch is my favorite Final Girl in the whole series. I love Stretch. 
um, even though I don't, unfortunately, love Caroline Williams, um, I do love Stretch. Um, she just, yeah, she blocked me on Twitter, so I have bad things. Oh, why? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, she said, what did you do? She said something racist, and I was like, this oh, is racist, and then damn. she blocked me. Damn, that's never good when they, that's their first reaction. Never meet your heroes on Twitter. Never a life lesson. Heroes. Um, I st- it's okay. I still love her performance in this movie. I love Stretch. Um, I I I could say I love Stretch a hundred more times, and it would still be just as honest and just as true. Yeah, I I love and I like her attitude. I like the way she kind of deals with things. Uh, she's just like good in in the whole movie, and I just I just like the idea of the protagonist being a DJ. Is like I don't know. I just think DJs are cool. I for no yeah. reason. I also stretches the character. I like in terms of main characters in this series. Mm-hmm. Stretches the character. I feel like is most similar to me. So like I relate to her the most, and I just so that's another reason I just love her. <laughs> and like you know what's funny is that we talked about that jump scare, and that scene is so scary. That even when I was editing the the YouTube version of the review, it scared me every time, even though I was literally editing that scene <laughs> into the review. I was like, I know it's coming. I'm literally putting it in here, and it's still freaking me out. So, like, um, I, yeah, I, you know what, like, really gets me, too? And this is one of those things I only realized in retrospect, um, um, is that this is the only one. It goes bigger than the first, and it's not like it's like oh, they're not at like the same house or whatever. It's like they're in this like carnival dungeon or something. It goes bigger yeah. in every way, but still feels the same as the first one. Like it feels like like an actual yeah. continuation. It doesn't feel like oh no, they're clearly doing something deliberately very different. It's like no, it's it's quite different, but it also like has that like same uh, essence, genesis qua, you know, and. I was going to say that this is the only movie really that feels like a true sequel that it progresses the story, you know, like you find out what's been going on with the chef. You even find out what they did with the hitcher. You find out the grandpa, like everyone kind of gets a continuation and it feels like, Oh yeah. in this one, in the last one, the cops showed up at the house. So in the neck or well, the implication is that they would. So in this one, they're no longer living in the house. They've had to move away, and now they're kind of driving around yeah, the country. I, I love the backstory that they got money to start a food truck by Chop Top getting injured in Vietnam. <laughs> so <laughs> he, he used the seed money to help them get their like food truck cannibal barbecue up and running. Yeah. Also, uh, the scene where at the chili contest is so funny <laughs> like it starts you know it starts with that lady ringing that giant bell and then every line she said uh like is like delivered like this and like <laughs> she's just so excited and she loves the chili so much and then she eats a tooth <laughs> right, right and of course because you can't like this movie <laughs> it knows exactly what it needs to inject a reminder of what this series is um even as it goes like in its own direction sometimes it still is like yeah they're still eating people and we're not gonna let you forget that <laughs> right right yeah and i think that yeah there's just so like the scene where dennis hopper which we haven't even mentioned yet dennis hopper like goes and buys a chainsaw 
and then like his chain sign in the back and then like the the owner's like yeah yeah like i think the owner says like oh my god like because <laughs> he takes she ends up taking like three chainsaws um, yeah because he has the big one and then he has the two he has small the side ones, ones. Yeah. and then he has a chainsaw fight with leatherface <laughs> like and then they're like because even like and dennis hopper is played like so because there's a scene where caroline williams is like she comes or he goes to her and he's like yeah you heard it and i believe you so if you need to talk like come and then she goes to him when she hears and she has the evidence and he's like i don't want this it's like what <laughs> I think it's like maybe I'm misremembering the scene, but I think it's it's less that, and isn't it more like I don't want your help because yeah, like he doesn't he doesn't want her around. He feels like a she's she's a liability, and also like she's gonna get herself killed. Ironically, she is the only survivor of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, I like they even I love their house that they like made it kind of looks it reminds me of like the ninja turtles sewer location <laughs> i love their like, underground yeah. tunnels with all yeah. the christmas lights and stuff mm-hmm. and how they've kind of like put the bodies in these weird poses that you can 100 percent see like oh yeah they do that they did that in the first one this is just like they're more fresh because they they've been finding new bodies like it's just like such a like it definitely feels like oh even though it's a little bit campier uh, has more humor it definitely feels like, oh no, this is a continuation from the last one, which even Next Generation doesn't do, even though it's the same writer. Yeah, I well, uh, as we mentioned, Next Generation is also kind of a remake, right, right? Yeah, it's like deliberately trying to change it, but yeah, no, it definitely feels very different too. But no, yeah, this is the like you said, it's the only one that feels like a true sequel to the. I mean, you know, even having lefty be the uncle of sally and franklin yeah yeah. feels like an earned connection (laughs) like yeah in leatherface like sally and franklin's dad being the boyfriend of the first victim i think it's funny but it is kind of like okay come on but like (laughs) (laughs) this movie maybe it's just because it was the first sequel it doesn't feel like forced i'm like yeah no like if your uncle was like a cop and you were traumatized and i think they insinuate she's dead right yeah (laughs) like they do yeah yeah. i think they actually straight up say that during the opening like that she died from her i think they say that she's gone crazy yeah she's in a hospital yeah i don't remember but it is definitely something like that they but definitely they, imply that she's she's out of it. Like, she's no longer... Am I crazy, or do they show her again at the end of Next Generation? They show her at the end at the beginning. They do! It's, Mar- it's straight-up Marilyn Burns. In right. A, in a, like, a... On a... A journey or something. It's yeah. so weird. Yeah. It's such she a, like... Look. What, what a, like, what is this? But I guess I like well, that you put kind it. kind of, like, stretch being in the third one. Right. Yeah, well, she's the reporter now, which yeah, makes stretch, sense for Shrek. She's the reporter. And oh, I didn't even catch that. God, so I zoned out so hard during three. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's actually I I don't even I had forgotten about it because it brings me joy, and yet thinking about that movie does not. So I totally <laughs> forgot about it. Um, oh, but yeah, 
it, it's just interesting. Uh, also, I like that this movie does have, like the remake, a definitive ending. <laughs> right. Like the re like three kind of has to be a direct sequel to the original because it can't be a sequel to this movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like everyone dies <laughs> except for Stretch. Um, right. And that's fun. I will say, like, it, I love the scene when during the chainsaw battle they cut Drayton's butt. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's the first thing he goes after, yeah. And then he goes under the table and opens a grenade and kills right. <laughs> Or, like, because as soon as the, uh, Dennis Hopper comes out, they, you see the the grandpa, and he's, like, trying to hit him with his weak, <laughs> super weak hands with the hammer. It's so, like, yeah, of course he would. The grandpa doesn't know that he's That's weak. my favorite callback to the original in the entire movie is when he's trying to use um the like ladle to, <laughs> to yeah. incapacitate stretch. Um it I mean that's another example of dark humor in the original even of course is the grandpa scene. Right. But like I just I love the grandpa <laughs> so much. Yeah, yeah. And I like um, that you see the grandma too, because she's there in the in the top of the house. Yeah, and I, I just like, you know, that they, I like that he's still kicking in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's well into his 120s by now, but he's still alive. <laughs> right. What a time. Yeah, no, overall it's good. Like, it, it, it's funnier, but it still has scares. It's, it's interesting. It, and it definitely feels, which, you know, you don't see it as much, but you it feels like a creator playing with his own creations and kind of taking them taking him on his own which yeah like, you know you it, it kind of like made it, me wonder like if he had actually toby were done the third one what it would be like you know mm-hmm. but, that would have been interesting yeah it feels like kind of like new nightmare for wes craven where it's like he still knows what makes freddy freddy but he's playing with the idea and kind of adding these subtexts and this kind of tone that wasn't necessarily there in the first one yeah yeah, with, with that, without it being like a Gremlins two, like fuck you. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, Gremlins two rules. I mean, yeah. no, I, I love Gremlins two, but it's clearly a, a fuck you to the studio. Yeah. But that's yeah. <laughs> every movie Joe Dante has ever made is kind of a fuck you to the studio. He so. does not like them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, have you seen Piranha? Like that movie is fucking wild. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And yeah, yeah, but I, it's all just, I mean. I mean, what I guess I have to say is I have really no complaints about this movie. I think it, it really, this and the first one makes such a good two-part story. Um, and I wrote wrote about this a lot when I was doing um, my project for, uh, it was, uh, I think, Stage Direction 2. And I staged the end, like the, the dinner scene from the original Um as my final for that class, but I also took a lot of inspiration from this one. Um, like I had Chop Top there um, instead of the Hitchhiker, just because Chop Top is more of a character. And so I was like, this is more fun <laughs> if it's Chop Top. And uh, like writing about how this and the original make this kind of really interesting American fairy tale almost about like the dangers of places that aren't home, like the dangers of a scary place and of people you don't know 
Um, and also just kind of the dangers of the nuclear family. Um, because the family we see in this, in these two movies is not healthy and like to kind of keep with societal values, even though they are rejecting values in so many ways, you know, by being cannibals, um, they still kind of force themselves into this family dynamic where, you know, you have grandpa and you have Drayton and then Leatherface as both mother and sister and then, you know, the hitchhiker in the first one and Chopped Up in this one as, like, kind of the rebellious son. Yeah. And also, I do like Leatherface's evolution, you know, from childlike asexuality in the first movie to, you know, horny teenager in this movie. (laughs) Like, Leatherface... Um, I know, like, they explicitly said in an interview somewhere that, like, Leatherface is going through puberty in this movie, so... Oh, that makes so much sense, yeah. And then in Le- and their intention with the third one was to have him be in his rebellious teenager phase, <laughs> which is why he's more violent in that movie. Yeah. Um, I don't think it lands, but I do like the idea, and I wish they could have, you know, worked that a little better. <laughs> but... I, I love Leatherface's kind of one-sided romance with Stretch. <laughs> right, right. Well, and I love that. What's the, the, like... the chef's line that you got one choice, boy, sex or the saw? <laughs> like, he lays it out for him at the end. And then he's like, sex, no one understands what sex is. Saw. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also like, like, even the chef, he has that progression where in the first one, he has kind of this bigger grip, and on this one, he doesn't have as much of a grip on the family and he's also like in the first one he doesn't want to see the murder and in this one he's like he's more matter of fact where like he hits stretches on the head and knocks her out right away and in the first one he couldn't even he didn't even want to look at it and he just kind of like didn't want to be a part of it and i like that even he's progressed see and again yeah it definitely that's what i'm saying it feels a hundred percent like a sequel where you could tell Toby Hooper was like, oh, well, if I'm bringing the chef back, he has to do something. Like, he's not just going to come back because people like him, you know? Right. And I feel like it, all of that makes sense in the context of they had a failure in the first movie. Mm-hmm. So they really, like, Drayton has to get over whatever was keeping him from witnessing the murders because he has to make sure they happen correctly now. Right. Because right. the boys are making too many mistakes. Yeah. Um, I mean, just that scene when he calls them when they're in the car uh, after the tape has been released of the college kid's murder at the beginning of the movie, and they play it, and <laughs> or I think they call Drayton, and they're like, hey, small problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and just and even like Drayton's the- like, you asses. Like, <laughs> I just love every time he yells at them during the movie. Yeah, he has the perfect voice. It's kind of screechy, but also he's still yelling. It's great. Also, like, yeah, and I do like even Dennis Hopper, his, like, way, we, we were laughing about this when we reviewed it the first time, but Dennis Hopper is clearly lo- using Stretch as bait, but I don't know where he was because he lets Sam do so much to Stretch <laughs> yeah. before he comes out. Where It's like, what were you doing that, like, it's taking so long? Like, the other guy's gone. Stretch is like, the whole studio's destroyed. And then she's like, you want to meet his bait? It's like, that's not how you use bait. That's 
Yeah, like he's. <laughs> I like that he makes mistakes. <laughs> yeah, like he, he he makes a lot of mistakes, and it also again it reads real to me. Not only you know, as the kind of Texas police officer, as a member of the institutions, which we are know in these movies do not serve the public. Right. Um, but also just as someone who's too close to the case, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, who, like, is so driven by his emotions that he often doesn't stop to think about the ramifications of his actions. I, I, I love it. I just truly love this movie, and I'm probably going to watch it after we're done. <laughs> <Nice>. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think, and that's an important, important thing to distinguish. When I say, like, that Dennis Hopper does dumb shit in this movie it's because his character is like this guy who's so driven by revenge but also his whole worldview of law and order has completely disintegrated since his you know niece and nephew were attacked and so he's not dumb because the character's written dumbly he's dumb because the character is just so out of it and he's just acting pretty much on emotion yeah that he yeah, right. he's, a rash. he's lost perspective. Exactly. Like the smart move would have been to just come in and shoot them all, but he's like, "No, I honor demands. I chainsaw battle you." Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think like that's an important because people are like they will attack dumb characters, and I think when people, or at least when I criticize dumb characters, it's characters that are written badly. But I don't mind dumb characters who act and don't make the right decision. I think that's super interesting. Even this one with the guys like the family doesn't even make the right decision every time everyone's just kind of acting off emotion and yeah it's like it's like they're they're dumb for a reason like it's it's like a logical follow through yeah yeah yeah. i get it yeah and stretch doesn't really do anything dumb because stretch is (laughs) like a smart person and she's like smart enough to know how to act and especially in these rash situations and so, even yeah, it works. making the right decisions though she's still you know hat faced just challenges she's still caught yeah. by the killers like she does everything right and she isn't even always successful which i think is really interesting um but yeah i mean i agree i i like that this movie allows the characters to make mistakes and have it still move everything forward in a mm-hmm. kind of satisfying way and the characters aren't treated in the movie as like, oh, look at how dumb these guys are. They're like, you know, they're going into this abandoned house, you know, and it's more like these characters are understood kind of. The movie is assuming you understand that all of these characters are acting how they see best fit, even if it logically is not the best choice. Yeah, yeah, perfect. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I think this one is a perfect companion piece to the first one, even though you wouldn't think it if you saw any, like, still shot. Of, of <laughs> right, like, I think that's what, what caught me off guard the first time I saw it. I was like, oh, this is so, like, ridiculous. But, like, yeah, now looking at it as a whole, like, it really is, like, the perfect, yeah. like, follow-up, yeah. Even, like, the poster that's just the Breakfast Club parody. Before <laughs> you're thing. like, why would you do this with, the Texas Chainsaw on and afterwards you're like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, so now I think we're at number one and we all have the same number one, which is the original. Yes. <laughs> and I think like it's not just, like this movie is legit still one of the scariest movies I've ever seen, but it's also like the production, the way they kind of came together, 
reading about like how they did it, how they, you know, all the trials they went through and Toby and like trying to get it done. And especially like even like tidbits, like Toby Hooper thought that he was making a PG movie because he didn't show any blood and they returned it X to him. <laughs> and uh, there's not that much blood. I mean, he, he intentionally not. didn't put it, it in there. It's so and... haunting though. It's yeah. because of how it feels, right? Mm-hmm. Like this movie feels like you shouldn't be watching it. Right. Like when I show this to my cast of the scene that I was doing, everyone was like, "I feel like I need to take a shower <laughs> after watching that." Like even, yeah, even like I before, like before Leatherface is there, and it's just the teens bickering and they're kind of shitting on the wheelchair guy. It feels so gross. Franklin. Yeah, I'm. I'm just gonna say the wheelchair guy because I'm terrible with names. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Yeah, but Franklin's an icon, buddy boy. Franklin is. But they're so they're so mean to him, you know. It's just like they oh, are so mean to him, and everyone hates Franklin, and I really it bothers me. Yeah, well, and we came to that conclusion when we reviewed it the first time. It's like people say that Franklin's annoying, but they literally leave him at the top of like a grassy hill for like a long time. And then even at the end, right, or at the end of Franklin's story, at least, like. He's like, Sally, don't leave me alone. And Sally's like, I can't wheel you. And it's like, well, yeah, stay with him. Like, you know, or bring him, like, just stop. Like, treat your brother like a human being. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's also, it, they yeah. treat him so horribly. And everyone's like, he's so obnoxious. And I'm like, yeah, he's having the worst time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Franklin is having a very bad day. Yeah, and the the biggest scene to show that is that scene at the beginning where the hitcher, because they hit pick up the hitchhiker, he cuts Franklin and they kick him out, and then one of the teens is like, "Oh, let me read your horoscope, Franklin." And it's like, Franklin doesn't care; like he's just been cut on his own. <laughs> well, I, see, that's what I like. like. Yeah, I like to just how they're so oblivious to like any danger. They're like, "Don't worry, this horoscope will make it better," you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh. but yeah, also, so if you listen to the horoscope, it really lays out what's going to happen for the rest of the movie. And he, like, the horoscope and like the sun is used in such a specific way in terms of the film's structure. Um, and you have all those close ups, like during the dinner scene, on Sally's eye, and then you know, it flashes between the sun and the moon and stuff. Wow it's zooming in on her eye right um and even the credits kind of playing over um a supernova like uh the 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 astrological happenings in the movie are all like still important right it's intentional even though like the way they're brought into the movie is because the teens are kind of oblivious yeah they're definitely like uh I don't know if they're hippies, but they're definitely like new age type of teens, which makes sense. Yeah, for- my, my assumption yeah. too is that that was that was just the big fad in the seventies to show like, oh, it's all kind of like you know everyone's kind of into this. Yeah. And one thing we haven't mentioned, but it is important, not just in this one, but in the series, is that these are the movies that, like, the scariest scene to me is the first scene with the door where he just hits the guy in the head, closes the door, and it's done. Oh. And yeah. <laughs> also, 
there's a reference to that in Halloween Kills. Is there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's been out for over a week when we're recording. It will have been out for several weeks by the time this comes out on Halloween, so I feel comfortable talking about this, but in the basement, when the firefighters go into the house and Michael's behind that large door and it comes up and makes the same sound that the door slamming in this movie makes. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and also the, like, everything's like orange and red because of the fire. So like it looks a lot like the like the room that Leatherface kills, um, is his name Vic in? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. That's the scariest part of the movie. Um, or at least it's the scariest single moment, I guess. Yeah. Because, like, it comes out of nowhere, right? Right, right. And you know that, I mean, it's called Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so you, you think that you're prepared for when it starts, but no, it just, like, it happens so quick, it's almost like no setup, and it just happens. And also, another thing, for when I watched, well, the remake, this was one of the first movies that had a lot of the horror take place in the daytime. And just the idea that, like, you know, even The Exorcist, which is also scary, most of it takes place at night. So in this one, it's like, oh, yeah, you're not going to escape it just because there's sunlight and you can see what's happening. That actually makes it worse because you can see what's happening. Yeah, it's just like no one's there to help. Well, and I I also kind of appreciate that. Early on, the gas station attendant is like literally like trying to warn them away, being like, "No, just leave." And it's like, so in theory, if they had just followed his advice, it would have been fine, you know. But yeah, he tells them, "Don't go there." Yeah, I don't know if he did it in that accent. <laughs> also, also perfectly like. Don't go there. <laughs> and even just the opening shot of the corpse on the grave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if we remember the the whole like impetus for this trip is that they're checking on their grandfather's grave to make sure it hasn't been robbed. Right. Yeah. So like I, I and and that theme changes modes halfway through when it turns to cannibals, but it's still about the desecration of bodies, right? And right. like what happens to our bodies and how that can be horrifying. I'm also thinking specifically, the reason I think the dolly shot from behind um, Pam, I don't know why I'm forgetting their names all of a sudden. Like, <laughs> what? Like, <laughs> it's because it's Franklin and Sally, and then everyone else kind of has a like a not as normal name, so it's harder to remember them. It's uh, well, I just want to double check. So yeah, Pam, um, Kirk. Yeah, I don't. Not Vic. Oh, we said Vic. Name. Yeah. See, it sounds close enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know the name but... Chop Top and Leatherface. That's... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Pam, that scene, obviously, like one of the most famous shots in the movie, when she's walking up to the house and the camera comes from behind her. Right. And the house looks like it's going to swallow her. Yeah. Um, well, that's important, obviously, because, you know, you, there's whole narrative about consumption. But more importantly, the thing that this reveals is her open back, like the, the open mm. back of her halter top. Right. And you spend so much time looking at it, and it really sets up how vulnerable specifically her back is, so that when she's hung on the meat hook, it feels worse. Because... Tell me it doesn't feel as gross when they hang the guy on the meat hook in the remake because he's wearing a shirt. For some reason, it makes it feel better. 
But in here, we know that there's nothing between her and the hook. Like, it's just straight into her naked back. And that feels so much worse to watch. Yeah, definitely. And there is, like, this... Just the way the Leatherface, like... He's not doing... He's not putting her on the hook to torture her. He's putting her on the hook because that's... He just needs her, that body out of the way. Right, which which kind of cuts into the whole like they talk about how humanely they were slaughtering things before the slaughterhouse closed and you know, like as if it matters essentially. So Right, right. So it's very then, it's a very thematically strong film. I mean it's great. And, and it's crazy because then later because there's that like the clinicalness of Leatherface and how it just kinda kills you. But then you have the hitcher and like one of the scenes or one of the lines that always sticks with me is when the hitcher tells Sally, he's like, weren't you going home? Like he knows what it is. And he's like, yeah, I do know who you are. And I'm just like, we knew that this was going to be the outcome. And there's just like that finale, the finality to it, even from Leatherface and from the hitcher. And they're very different where he's taunting her about it. And Leatherface is just like, yeah, this is just what it is. And it's just like, that mixing is just so frightening all over. <laughs> I mean, what's funny is that it's also a horror movie. If you think of it from Leatherface's perspective, it's a home invasion movie. <laughs> right. Because, <laughs> like, I love that scene after Jerry comes into the home, um, Sally's boyfriend, and he freaks out because all these strangers are coming into his house. Yeah. And he doesn't know anything. Like, he only knows that they're, like breaking in and so he gets really stressed out and i think that really sums up leatherface in the best way right like he's yeah. just he's a housekeeper right right yeah yeah he's definitely and like it, you even see it a little bit later like for dinner he dresses up like it's it's just this weird he's, family dynamic it's a bit of a homebody some might say. yeah and, and you can tell that they've lived it and like even like to me yeah you have the hitcher taunting you you have leather face like not saying anything and then you have the chef and he's like um oh yeah i don't like blood <laughs> it's like yeah. what is i'm I, I you there's no like thread to connect your mind to because there's it's just so everything yeah well and then yeah because yeah, the chef even says like oh i take no pleasure in killing which is very exactly like, he's like no this is a necessity for me you know yeah, it's just troubling all the, the way it's filmed. I don't think we'll ever get a film that's filmed like this movie where it definitely feels like they just did it on a home video yeah. tape, and it just I like mean, right? that's what that's also part of it. It feels like uh, like a snuff movie almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's very you know it's funny too because it's very like now they try to do the found footage home movie style, but it still looks nothing like this, you know. Yeah, and I'm gonna say like this like, definitely budget. feels like a home, a home like a found footage movie, despite the fact that it's not like it's it's a regular shot film, but it just uh, yeah, it's just the well, way. Yeah, it's it, it just it's because also it's because of the way the acting is happening. It, it, this movie isn't done in realism is the predominant style of acting that we see in most movies, including horror movies. Um, right. except for, you know, when they get r into really the cosmic side of things and then it, that changes sometimes. But this movie goes for naturalism, which anyone who has, like, studied acting 
naturalism is really fucking hard. Yeah. Um, and everyone in this movie is so good at it. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that just adds to the terror because, again, if the reason it feels like you shouldn't be watching it is because they feel like real people because it feels like they're not acting. It feels like they're just – you're like, not that we're watching someone's videotape of it. It just feels like you're actually watching it happen. Right, and right. You feel, you feel dirty. You feel like, oh, I shouldn't be watching this. This is, you know – and it is also why the movie, I think, feels so much more violent than it is, is because they feel like real people. So that, like, we feel like we've seen them being torn apart, even though we haven't. Yeah, and I, you know, and it's crazy because this movie it starts off by saying it takes place in nineteen, you know, seventy three or whatever, and everyone looks very uh, period appropriate and how they dress because they were just dressed normal. Well, yeah, because and, it was made in 1974. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's still, like, for some reason, it still feels super, like, relevant. It doesn't feel like, a like oh, it was filmed back in the day. It feels like it could be happening now. And, I you know, it's very hard to have a movie. Like, even The Exorcist, which, again, I said is super scary. It definitely feels like it takes place in that time period where Texas Chainsaw still feels like it could be happening right now. And that's just, like, how effective it is at being scary. You're right. If they if they had only said it takes place on August eighteenth and mm-hmm. not nineteen seventy three, you could really ima- you could trick yourself into thinking this is happening now. Right. For a lot of reasons. Because apart from the dress, but even then trends come back, right? So like the only clue that it's not happening now is the lack of cell phones, but even that can be explained away pretty easily. So right? yeah. It, it's uh it's it feels kind it does feel timeless i think even though it's it's a very specific time it's august 18th 1970 yeah like <laughs> it, it feels and i think it's because they're they're being so naturalistic that they again it feels like people and people don't change that much across the years as a whole right right and i just yeah i just you know, it. The people say this a lot, but I just don't think we'll ever get like a movie like this. That's this kind of visceral and like overwhelming in a great way. So definitely, and I think everyone who's wanted to make movies like should watch this just to see what they could do with such little money. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, it was. I think the initial budget was eighty thousand. A hundred and forty thousand is like the top, like estimate for the possible budget for this right um and granted that is you know a fair amount of money and like paranormal activity for instance was made for fifteen thousand. um so you don't even have to spring for this much but it still is you know very low budget for a movie um because it was made by all these people just out of college um and well, I guess Toby Hooper was coming out of a master's program, I think, but still just coming out of school. Yeah. And like the cinematographer was like a literal like twenty two year old like Texas college student. Um, and because I remember watching this with commentary when we covered it on my podcast, and um, that fun tidbit came up that he was like, "I just needed like an actual Texan." 
to be the cinematographer to shoot this place in the way that we need to represent it. Right. And I think that also adds to the timelessness, right? Because it's not shot like 70s Texas in the way that I think the 80s very clearly is present in part two. It's like yeah. I mentioned earlier, it's shot like a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Right, right. So it feels like post-apocalyptic. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, there are, right. like, there are definitely, like, three house towns you can drive through in Texas that basically look like that. Right. Today, even, you know? So it is very authentic to, like, the unnervingness of it is... You know, not just a seventies thing. I agree. Yeah, it's it's definitely still a perfect film even after all this time. But yeah, and I think that's we do one need of the to address why I wanted to do the whole Oh, go ahead. Something. What happened? None of the other seven movies get into this. Oh yeah. What happened to the driver who flees at the end of the movie? Where does <laughs> the he end up? Mystery is my favorite. I know. Where's where's that Hispanic truck driver gone off to? Because well, he, he leaves his truck there. Yeah, he runs. Yeah. So Leatherface is between him and his truck. But I don't know. Could he get back to it? That's going to be... <laughs> while Leatherface is having his tantrum, he could probably... <laughs> he just sneaks back. <laughs> I think he turned out okay. Yeah. I like the thing that he lived. And it's, he's like, I'm never going to mention this to anyone. It's crazy none of the seven or, sequels address this, though. Well, if we want to go on, like, the Texas Chainsaw 3D timeline, we can assume he also went to the police. <laughs> right, right. Um, and, in fact, I mean, I guess they straight up say, they mentioned Sally, but they don't really mention how they still found out about everything. Sally was not really in a position to be giving detailed <laughs> yeah. information at the end of He's the, the secret hero to... A lot of this, yeah. To stop them, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's also important. Sally does save herself, but not in the right. way Stretch does. Sally also just gets lucky. And I think that's what makes the ending feel kind of bleak, right? Even though she survives, you're watching her lose her mind as she laugh, cries in the back of this truck and it doesn't feel good. Like, yeah, she escaped, but I'm not thrilled. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah. It's like it's like they they she escaped as senselessly as they died. Like it was just pure chance, essentially. So it's yeah. Right. No, I think yeah, this is one of my favorite movies. One of the, it's also one of my favorite movies that I try not to watch that much because it still does scare me and kind of make me feel icky from. <laughs> from watching it but yeah i would recommend anyone go watch this movie and then follow follow the list down keep going that was that was the funny thing because um you know i'd seen this movie but it had been like a long time so when i was watching i was like oh i don't know if i want to watch all of these movies because just seeing this first one was so like miserable like you're just put through this experience and andrew's like don't worry (laughs) the rest are basically not this (laughs) it feels kind of adjacent to this tonally is the remake yeah yeah i think so it's the only one that's definitely trying to match the intensity of this and like the grossness and the seriousness i would say it's the only one it's the only other one in the series that makes me feel grimy um 
Although in that movie, it's it's even different. It's just a bunch of sweaty, like hot teens in that movie, right? And this one, it's just kind of regular people. <laughs> right, right. But yeah. in the remake, they're like, no, get these sweaty like A-listers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they all have to be hot. That is the funniest thing. We didn't mention this, but like her boyfriend in that movie is wearing like baggy jeans like an open shirt and like an undershirt it's like nobody dressed like this <laughs> no no it's so funny because they're just dressed like it's 2003 yeah it is not very period friendly jessica yeah. Biel's the only one and that's just because she's wearing bell bottoms and like a tank top <laughs> and a tank top yes. like which honestly and they're they're still low rise though so it still that's feels true. like <laughs> it still feels very She's drinking like a Coke Zero. Does she have flip flops too? So, like, maybe I'm making that up. I feel like she's wearing flip flops, and I feel like that just adds to the whole. And yeah. they're on their way to like a concert instead of like her grandfather's grave. It feels very 2003, she's, even though it. She's reading a book about 9 11 in the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, so insightful. She's reading. Um, Mark Wahlberg's quote about where he is like, if I'd been on those planes, yeah. sorry to the passengers on those planes, I'm just built different. That's where she. Yeah. That's where she took the uh, the inspiration to fight back that's, against other yeah. coaches. Like I have to follow Mark Wahlberg's 9/11 example. I have to be like him if he was there. <laughs> yeah. If I was there, things would have gone different. Um, and she's like, "Well, I am here, so things can go differently." Right. <laughs> But yeah, but perfect. Yeah, I'm glad that we, because I had thought after we reviewed them, like, oh, let's get, let's do a recap of all of them. But then I realized it would just be me and Josh recapping what we originally thought of these movies. <laughs> right. But I'm glad we were able to bring you on. And this way we could talk and get your perspective. I hope that, well, I know I had a different perspective on Leatherface. But <laughs> anyways, I hope that, yeah, I added something to listeners that they could. No, yeah, definitely. And I definitely and I think that's one of the best things. Like if you look at all of our lists, I mean there's points where they meet, but they're all so different that it kind of shows you how versatile this series is. And I think it's definitely one of the ones that's worth watching. Especially if you kind of even if you just watch the first one, they're all they all bring something to the table. So it's it's a good it's a good watching, especially on Halloween. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do think in terms of evolution, this franchise has one of the most interesting evolutions for a slasher franchise. Even though the original isn't a slasher, but the sequels are. Yeah, so definitely. It, it, it does feel like, you know, Friday the 13th, I mean, yeah, Jason goes to space and hell and Ohio, but he still <laughs> is Jason, you know. Right. Leatherface and his family kind of do adapt. It feels like this franchise does evolve, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, the Nightmare movies are all Nightmare movies. Um, But, and I love those two franchises, by the way. I love Friday the 13th, love Nightmare on Elm Street. But I think what what sets Texas Chainsaw apart is how many different directions it goes with every new entry. Yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, and I think one of the things that separates it is that if you remake Texas, 
you really can't just remake Leatherface where you can with Freddy or Jason. You have to do the whole family. You have to think about that aspect and the, the dynamics of how they operate and how they operate within each other. And I think it just makes it harder for whoever's coming in. It, it does kind of make or break it because you can't really say Leatherface yeah. is worse in like a Texas Chainsaw, the beginning, you know, the, the sequel, um, you know, to the, to the 2003 one. But the family is noticeably not as good. So it's like it, it brings it down, you know. So, right. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, and I know that they're making a new one. Yeah. Um, the next year, maybe. Yeah, it was supposed to come out this year. It's coming out next year now. Elsie Fisher from 8th Grade is in it. So that's mm. exciting. Oh, yeah. Good I, for I know her. that Sally's coming back. Marilyn Chambers. Yes. I mean, Marilyn Burns oh, no, she's not playing here because Marilyn Burns is dead. Right. It's but dead. yes, the character of Sally will be appearing, as will Old Man Leatherface. And also Alice Krieg. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but from... I think she was on Star Trek, but I know her from Silent Hill. Um, she's also in it. Does she play the cop in Silent Hill? No, she plays the the minister. Um, oh, okay. The, she plays the villain. Right, right. Is it is it another like a sequel or a remake or what? Do we know? It is a sequel to the original. Oh man, they're doing Halloween and they're doing Texas Chainsaw 3D again. Right. <laughs> yeah, they really are. <laughs> it's the same. It's the same. You know, which makes me think, huh, we're probably going to get another Halloween sequel to the original. I I hope they do the same thing they did in 3D where they show footage from the original, but awkwardly cut in some of the new actors into that footage. Yeah, that is the funniest part of 3D where it's like showing clips and then they suddenly cut to Bill Mosley in film. (laughs) And he's just like, yeah, it's like we could have understood. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But no, that's cool. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, it's, I'm intrigued to see what they what they do with it. I did I like mean, eighth grade. Obviously, it's probably gonna have a different tone. <laughs> well, <laughs> Fede Alvarez is producing it. Fede Alvarez, obviously, you know, don't breathe. But more importantly, for Evil me, Dead. he did Evil Dead 2013. Right. Um, that's a good movie. So I, I I have I'm curious because I definitely I wish he was directing it, but um. I'm still excited to see what he does with it as a producer. Yeah, I think that him adding himself or producing it is probably the most interesting aspect to me uh, about it. So I'm I'm definitely excited. I mean, I'm always excited for any Texas Chainsaw movies, but I'm 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 hopeful for this one. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thank you, Derek, one for helps. coming along for our Halloween special episode. Maybe Thank they, you yeah. for having me. This was fun. I enjoy yeah, this. I like talking about these movies. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's good when, because I'm a fan, but I'm also a fan where I've, you know, I've, I'm in and out. But so it was good to talk to you who like, you love a lot of them. So we'll see you next Halloween for our full on Resident Evil retrospective. I have seen zero Resident Evil movies. <laughs> I've seen either two or three out of seven, and not in any order I've that would make seen sense. The tra- I've seen the trailer <laughs> for the new one. I saw it last night, Halloween Kills, when I saw Halloween Kills for the second time in theaters, fifth time overall. <laughs> oh, man. That's that. intense. Um, so it is Halloween. I, seen the I, I, I do want to see it, but I don't want to go to the theaters, and I don't want to get Peacock, so I'm in a real... Pickle. I already had Peacock through my um, Andrew refuses to give me his oh, login. Yeah. 
So. I yeah. Anyways, that's just my. I've seen it five times. Whatever. I'll probably see it again. Like, <laughs> love it. Yeah. That's just you know me. I mean, I do want to see Dune first probably before I see it again. But yeah. we will. We'll we, see. We, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, yeah. Thank you for coming on, and we'll see you guys next time. Happy Chain Oween. I'd someone do a good one. Yeah. Happy Leather Ween. Oh, I did. Happy Leather Ween just sounds like a bondage dick. (laughs) That's not what it means. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're speaking with Happy Chop a Ween. Yeah, Chop Top a Ween. Chop Top a Ween. (laughs) Yeah.